0: you are listening to a true north eager beaver media podcast the true north eager beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors the miss v mysteries from corvid moon publishing your source for science fiction fantasy and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters canadiantarot.com your uniquely canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum and the peppermaster hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind well hello kids welcome to season three and flagship episode number 34 of the eager beaver podcast a podcast providing incisive commentary on canadian politics and general culture today Recording day is Thursday, January 12th, 2023, and it has been a lovely winter day here at the Beaver Lodge, for which I am grateful, because it made it a joy to run errands and get my steps in. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, pronouns he him, hey, Mr. Beaver Ray, and it brings me great joy that you, kits, have chosen to give us the gift of your attention. Whether you'd really like a chance to get out on the slopes, as is the case for Mr. Grizzly, or out on the tennis court, as is the case for me, all are welcome. Of course, a big thank you goes out to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com, whose support for us we appreciate greatly. Thanks for the love. On this flagship episode, we have curated especially for you stories and commentary on the Canadian military's personnel and equipment shortage and how it is being addressed, and the push for mandatory sexual assault training for judges in Newfoundland and Labrador. And yes, we have viewer and listener feedback and a wee bit of cool news for you. We're saying hello to 2023 and are looking forward to growing and building community with you. And since it has been a good while since we've delivered a flagship episode for you, dearest kids, why not grab your favorite bevy, find a comfy spot around the fire, and fulfill your resolution to get yourself more quality beaver grizzly time because here we go before we go any further kids you absolutely know that we must first take a moment to send our first flagship of the year salutations to our show's frequently scantily clad gregarious growler And ask him, how's your mental health today? Hello, Mr. Grizzly.
1: Hello, Mr. Beaver. How are you doing?
0: I am right chipper, my friend. Happy New Year to you. How's your mental health today?
1: Happy New Year to you, too, good sir. Uh, My mental health today, um, it's good. It's it's, um, like strangely, oddly good the last couple of days. A bout of, can you call it insomnia when you go to bed at your regular hour, you fall asleep right away, but then you wake up three hours later and stay up until your alarm goes off? Is that insomnia?
0: I do. That's my regular insomnia. It yeah. tends to be that way for me.
1: Because it's 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 not, like usually people think insomnia, you go to bed and you lie there for seven hours and then the alarm goes off and you go to work. And I've had that. I yeah. know you've had that too. Yes. But the last, like last Thursday, And last Thursday night, I did the same thing. Uh, So, you know, a week ago, went to bed, woke up at 3 a.m., was up. Just, and and I would, when I woke up at 3 a.m., I was wide awake. Mm. Last night, uh, Wednesday night, I I woke up at 2 a.m. and could not get back to sleep. The alarm went off at 5. I, you know, hit snooze, and the second alarm went off at 6, and I hit snooze again, and then... I rolled over and I looked at the clock and it was 7 a.m. and then I was in a hmm. massive panic because for some reason I thought it was Friday morning and I'm like, oh my God, we have a show. Holy shit, I'm not. Wait a minute. No, we don't. No, we mm. don't. It's Thursday. <laughs> and I don't, it, it was like I was in huge panic mode for about five seconds. Right, right. It, it Usually when you get into that panic mode, it lasts for a little bit, right? right. And it takes time to calm down and calm down. But in, in my case this morning, it was like, <gasps> No, we don't. It's Thursday. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wait, I have to go to work. So, so then I stumbled, literally stumbled out of bed. And it was like, Ooh. you would have thought I was drunk. Wasn't. 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 Drink- I, I, had a, I had a non-alcoholic beer last night mm. at, uh, at the Scotch and Cigar Club. And I was only out for an hour because my feet got cold. Mm-hmm. I was wearing big winter boots, but when you're sitting still, Right. And, and, and even though, you know, I have tons of wool, I was very warm. My hands got a little bit chilly, even though I have cashmere gloves on, but you know, you're, you're idle. My feet got cold and it was, and I said, you know what the problem is the humidity tonight. And my buddy goes, oh, it's not that humid. I go, yeah, it is. I go, I I bet you it's about 80%. He goes, no way, no way. No, no more than 30. I go, dude. (laughs) So I pull up my phone, pull up Environment Canada. I go, well, I was pretty close. It's 79%. He goes, What? My house is only thirty and I go, Well that's a you problem. This is an us problem. Right. <laughs> and he kinda goes like that I don't understand. I've got an outside air exchanger, it's a new home, and that like thirty percent humidity in my house is it's it's too dry. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you might wanna might wanna look into that. Yeah. But yeah, it's you know, that your feet get cold. My hands can get cold and I can stay out for hours. Right. Once my feet get cold, unless I'm skiing Mm-hmm. Literally, unless I'm skiing, I'm done. Or or yep. skating, which is weird. I can be out on the canal for hours. I can be playing hockey in an outdoor rink for hours. My feet are frozen, but because they're tied up tight mm-hmm. in in skates or uh, or snug in in ski boots, mm-hmm. the effort to get out is psychologically different. Maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Like uh, boots, I can have them off in three seconds. Ski boots, it takes a while to get your you know. Hockey skates, you got to undo them. you know. It's just like, no, the effort to get in and out is too much. So Screw it. I'll go until I, I can't take it anymore. But if I'm just in a pair of winter boots and I'm sitting out in the cold, it's like, no, my feet are cold. I'm done. I'm going home. I'm, yeah. This is not, I'm not enjoying myself anymore. And I'm only going to turn into a cranky old bugger in 10 minutes. And surprisingly, even though I'm the youngest guy on the porch for scotch and cigar night, right? none of them are cranky old buggers. Oh, there you go. And I, I would like to think that's the influence I have on them, because you know I'm kind of a left-leaning fellow, and they're some of them, most of them are right-leaning. One, one, one—the guy who hosts it isn't—he's very centrist with a left lean. The host, a lot of the other guys are very right-leaning, but you know they, they're all intelligent individuals who will listen to reason. And if and one of the so this one guy hangs out—he's very, very wealthy—and we've really taken a shine to one another. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like he's starting to come to the realization that life is tough for a lot of people. Right. And, and we need to do better to make life better. So yeah. Anyway, that was a long drawn out speech, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You had a lot to say.
1: Well, you had a lot to say and I decided I would pour myself a beer because it was a long Uh. day at work and I want to relax, I want to be relaxed while I enjoy my beer and enjoy my time with you. So shall we get to the show, sir?
0: Absolutely. let's do this. All right. actually, that was my line <laughs>
1: Yes, it was. <laughs> my apologies, I didn't mean to do that.
0: That's all right. Now it's your line.
1: Our main story, Canada's defense policy, strong, secure, engaged.
0: We do this all the time, kids. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell it's been a while since we've done a flagship? Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Sexual misconduct scandal, senior leadership in disarray, plunging recruiting numbers, aging fighter jets and warships, unconventional missions at home, such as dealing with a pandemic or forest fires, training Ukrainian troops, guarding NATO's eastern flank in Latvia, and a plan to deploy more frigates to the Pacific as part of the new Indo-Pacific strategy. Wayne Eyre, Chief of the Defence Staff since 2021, has said,
1: This has been a year like no other in my career, and I think history will view this year as a turning point in the global order.
0: Now, what with about one in ten of the military's 100,000 positions unfilled, Canada's armed forces are facing a manpower shortage. Holy Hannah. Yeah, that's a big number. In September, the Canadian Armed Forces sounded the alarm over a severe shortage of recruits to fill thousands of vacant positions, with the shortfall so bad that senior officers are now calling it a crisis. The Liberal government in 2017 laid out a plan to add thousands of full and part-time positions. There were signs the military was turning a corner as recruitment began to outpace departures, but numbers cratered during the first year of COVID-19 as the military shuttered recruiting and training centres. The result? Only 2,000 people were enrolled in
1: 2020-2021, less than half of what was needed. We were just starting to gain momentum when the pandemic hit,
0: says Brigadier General Krista Brody, who is responsible for overseeing military recruitment and training. In September... Brody confirmed that the military was getting only about half the number of applicants it needs per month to meet its goal of adding 5,900 members by March of 2023. In October, Chief of the Defense Staff General Wayne Eyre ordered an immediate halt to all non-essential activities in favor of boosting military recruitment and retention. The forces are deploying new efforts, including targeted recruiting of underrepresented groups, including women and Indigenous people. And broader moves to create a more inclusive workplace by easing dress rules which Brody suggests are bearing fruit. It is also looking at possible solutions such as ways to improve work-life balance and addressing public perceptions of the military. While certain occupations have more than enough applicants, some are facing such severe shortages that financial incentives like signing bonuses of up to $20,000 are being offered in 25 of the military's approximately 100 trades, including cook, meteorological technician, and many Navy jobs.
1: So hang on a second here. 20,000 sign-up bonus, eh? Yes. ching Uncle Paul could use a couple of extra bucks right about now. (laughs) Um, Do I sign up as a cook? Uh, do I have to go through basic training? I mean, you know, I, did, I think you do. I was in air cadets. Up. That's not enough. I have to go.
0: Uh. I know military dentists that had to do the basic training. So
1: yeah, you do. You do training. have to. Well, the reason you do the basic training. So is it, if, if a war were to take place and we had to deploy, everybody has basic training. Right. In that aspect. And that, that's the point of it. But 20 grand would be uh, nice, but um, technically I can still sign up till I'm 55. Okay. But I like my job and I like my life and I like where I'm living and I don't want to have to go through basic training with a bunch of 20 year olds.
0: No, no. How are you at taking direction?
1: (laughs) Very good, actually. Oh, no, I'm very good at that.
0: I know. I'm sure you
1: are. I'm very good at that. I'm, I military discipline. The yeah, well, uh, well, a military discipline, you know, I grew up with it. So it's part of my life. So that, right. that, that part would be easy for me. Um, would I be able to put up with, uh, I could, it, I could have a sergeant major yelling at me, screaming, calling me. It, that wouldn't bother me in the least bit mm-hmm. because I wouldn't take it personally. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not 20 years old. Right. Right. So that would just be, right. yes, sir. Sir. Yes, Sir. Yes, Sergeant. Yes, sir. No problem. You know, whatever. But the idea of having to march and run, no, man. No, thanks. (laughs) But the money would be nice. (laughs) Mm, mm. I don't know. I definitely have the discipline, but I don't
0: know if um, I have the ability to not question. Um. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's not everybody, not everybody's capable of doing it plain and simple. And, and that's what basic training is for is to weed people out. It's to figure out if you can fit within this environment because it's a, it's a big allotment of teamwork, right? Yeah. And, and it's not just, are you a good team player? It's like, are you willing to risk your life for your other team members? And literally that is the scenario. So yeah. in basic training, they break you down and then rebuild you. Not mm-hmm. everybody makes it through. And there's a reason for that. They have to weed out those who can't hack it. Because if we have to go into a war scenario, you want people who can handle it, right? Right. You do. You
0: do. Yep. There is no such thing as unskilled work.
1: No No such thing. Nope. None. Right.
0: In early December, the military took another step, announcing that permanent residents are now welcome to apply to enroll. Until now, Permanent residents in Canada could sign up only if they were skilled professionals who were trained by foreign militaries.
1: Allowing permanent residents to serve will help advance Canada's interests and values abroad and support Canadians in times of need at home. The recent deployment of hundreds of military personnel in response to Hurricane Fiona in my home community demonstrated the importance of maintaining a high level of readiness that today's announcement will help preserve. Many of these future citizens already work in key sectors across Canada, and I am pleased that they will now have the opportunity to make an extraordinary contribution to Canada by choosing a career in service of the country they now call home.
0: Said the Honorable Sean Fraser, Minister of Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship. Yeah?
1: Damn straight, brother.
0: Right, right. The Department of National Defense says joining the military can help permanent residents gain citizenship, in part because their applications are given priority by immigration officials. In accordance with existing policy, an applicant for enrollment in the Canadian Armed Forces must be a Canadian citizen or a citizen of another country who has permanent resident status under the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act and who is committed to becoming a Canadian citizen upon eligibility, who satisfies a special need, and whose enrollment, in the opinion of the Commander Canadian Forces Recruiting Group, will not be detrimental to the national interest.
1: Can I interject here for a 2nd Mm-hmm. I think this is awesome. Me too. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you my reason why I think it's awesome. Okay. We all know I live in Ottawa. We all right. know I live in downtown Ottawa and Centertown. Canada Day is my favorite day of the year mm-hmm. because it is a completely secular holiday. It's celebrating mm-hmm. our country. We all understand we've got problems. We've got a past history. We have to make amends for this, that, and about 900 other different things. That's not up for debate. What I have noticed throughout my lifetime, living in this city and celebrating Canada Day on, on Parliament Hill and throughout the downtown core, is that the happiest, most patriotic, most yes. um, loving people yes. of this country are the people who have immigrated here very recently. When yes. they get their citizenship, they are the proudest, happiest, I'm getting emotional thinking about this, people on earth. And I, I mean that because I've seen it firsthand. They're like, what I had to go through to get here to become a Canadian citizen made all of it worthwhile. And mm-hmm. I, the patriotism that they have, they will defend this country high, come hell or high water. You know? Yep.
0: Yeah, I love it, too. I, I grew up in Ottawa, and, you know, other than my birthday, Canada Day is my favorite day of the year. Wow,
1: yeah, yeah. You're, you are emotional. Yeah, I'm emotional saying, about it,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, you welled up. Uh, And it's the same for me. I'm on Parliament Hill, and I'm listening to the, like, the noon hour concert and show, and, you know, in front of me, there's a Sikh family, and you see the the, you know, the boys with their turbans, and then there's a Muslim family, and you see the ladies with their hijabs, and then you're walking down the street, and you're hearing, a, you know, some Jamaican Canadians play steel drums. and Yep. It's just... All of it. It's the celebration.
1: It's the celebration of the dream that is Canada, right? Right. Remember Pierre Trudeau said it, it. It's a dream. Canada is a dream. Don't let the dream die. We may never fully realize the dream, but the dream is, everybody, please come here. You're welcome here. Maintain your culture, but you're Canadian, but you're... Your culture is important too. And and all of that is celebrated on Canada Day. So right. there's no such, and, it, and Trudeau said Pierre Trudeau said it best, there's no such thing as a stereotypical Canadian. Right. There's no homogenization of the citizenry of this nation. It doesn't matter where you come from. You choose to make this place your home. You're going to contribute to society to make this a better country. We're going to celebrate whatever your culture is. As long as it's, you know. Yes. Right. Reasonable limits. Yes, of course, of course.
0: Yes, yes. Now, uh, in addition uh, to all of this, the sexual assault scandal certainly hasn't helped recruitment, Hmm? especially in a nation in which over 50% of the population is female-identifying. Yikes. Kind of limits the pool. According to former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour, who conducted the Independent External Comprehensive Review on Sexual Misconduct and Harassment in the Military, almost every female cadet has experienced an incident or more of sexual misconduct or worse. She singled out military colleges as having outdated leadership models and discriminatory cultures. So, I mean, who wants to come into that?
1: Nobody. Male or female. You don't want to be a part of that.
0: Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, well, you're exactly right. It's not only keeping women away.
1: No, it's keeping men away too. They're like, I don't want to be associated with that. I wouldn't join an organization like that at that at this moment.
0: Right. Arbour's report contained 48 recommendations and challenged the government to report back to Parliament by the end of this year, if it intended not to implement them. In an interview with Matt Galloway of CBC's The Current, Defence Minister Anita Anand said,
1: I responded directly to a recommendation that Madam Arbour herself made in May to come before the House of Commons and to indicate which recommendations of her report I am not accepting. And in fact... I'm moving forward with implementing all of the recommendations and instructing my department and the Canadian Armed Forces to do so also. So moving forward, things are going to be different.
0: Hmm. And another one of Arbor's main recommendations was to hand over potential criminal cases to civilian authorities instead of military police and prosecution. However, civilian police forces have rejected some 40 out of 97 cases that had been referred to them by military police. I wish mm. I could say what the reasons are for that. I have not been able to find that much really explaining it. Um doesn't mean it's not out there, it's just I haven't found it with my, you have to understand that this is definitely not my wheelhouse right. in terms of subject matters, right? I've, <laughs> the closest connection I have to the military is my brother who served a while, while ago. Mm. Arbour has stated that it may have to come down to amending the National Defence Act so that the military would be banned from prosecuting sexual offences as it is not able to prosecute other offences. To that, the minister affirmed,
1: It is my expectation officials will provide me with the options to implement this indication, so yes, it is my intention to do so, to make sure this recommendation is implemented. It's complicated. As Madame Arbour herself acknowledges in the report, what are some of the complications? First of all, there is the investigation of cases outside of our country. And second of all, there's the capacity of civilian police forces. Third of all, there's the need to ensure that provinces and territories and the civilian police forces are going to accept these cases and have the systems in place to do so. So, there is a process. It will take time. And that is why we need to ensure that the interim recommendation remains in place while we make sure that the full-fledged permanent recommendation can also occur.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you don't remove the recommendation that you have now because it's not perfect, because apparently the, it seems that the capacity and the ability, some police stations are declining the cases, I assume, based on this quote, just simply because they don't have the systems required to be able to take on those cases.
1: So this may sound really inappropriate, you tell me, but mm-hmm. I have a non-sexual crush on Minister Anand.
0: Oh yeah, she, she's whip smart. If you're if you're a sapiosexual, Pfft,
1: damn! Like far. holy Hannah, right? Wow. And she
0: has this firmness when she speaks. Yeah, ye, she in,
1: demands your attention. Yeah and and she does it in a way that not like you will listen to me it's it's uh i have something to say and i'd like you to listen and you're like oh, oh i i i will do that yeah she's uh, sapio yeah definitely yeah yeah
0: yeah is it sapio i said sapio i guess it's sapio sapio, sapio? Right? sapio? yeah probably sapio if we're talking about sappho Sapio. yeah
1: i, I believe i believe <laughs> No, you know, well,
0: no, that wouldn't be Sappho. Sappho's different
1: different. Yeah, that's p h o. Yeah, p h. Yeah, you I know, here's know. the thing. I need somebody to pronounce it because I've only ever read it. Same here. Right. And I'm French. Yeah, bonjour. So, well, uh, so it, it, and here's the thing. It's like never. If somebody says a word wrong, remember it's because they read it. So don't judge them. They may not know the pronunciation of it, but they read it, and that says something. Mm-hmm. They yeah. read. They read.
0: Yep, yep, yep. In addition, the Victims' Bill of Rights has already been implemented, and last October, Jocelyne Therrien was appointed as an external monitor to oversee the implementation of the recommendations and provide quarterly updates. Therrien formerly worked with the Auditor General of Canada's office, where she led audits of programs run by the federal government. She also has experience with investigating allegations of workplace harassment in the RCMP. Some of the criticism of the government's approach is that after seven years and two external reports by former Supreme Court justices, there is concern that the announcement of further reviews, working groups, and panels makes quick timelines for implementation near impossible and timeline deadlines unpredictable. Other criticism yet is that though responses to some recommendations show an attempt to be respectful of the intent behind them, the manner in which the Canadian Armed Forces views change is not always in line with that which Arbour prescribes is needed. In short, the way some recommendations are being interpreted by the Canadian Armed Forces are not making the changes all they could be. In June of 2022, Justice Arbour was blunt about the difficulty of
1: the task at hand. First, it takes a lot of backbone on the civilian leadership, and then, it will take the chief of the defense staff and the 140 general officers and flag officers, the generals, it will take the vast majority of them being on board, and once again, starting with the fundamental premise that they can't fix it by themselves. If they don't accept that, it's not going to happen. Is it going to take another Supreme Court judge five, six years from now? Well, First of all, this is an embarrassment, and it's enough,
0: However, others see a golden opportunity. Also in an interview with Galloway, Stephanie von Hlatke, Canada Research Chair on Gender Security and the Armed Forces and Associate Professor at Queen's University in Kingston,
1: noted that, Now is the time for change. Not only because it's long overdue, but because there's a bit of a crisis in the Canadian Armed Forces right now. Not only on culture, but in terms of recruitment and retention. And I think it's when the organization is facing a crisis like this one that real and ambitious change can happen. And comprehensive change focus on how the Canadian Armed Forces recruit, train, educate, retain their personnel. When I see this comprehensive focus, that is when I am optimistic. And because the organization is about 10,000 personnel short, it's imperative that it make meaningful change, and meaningful change quickly or else it will take a really long time to recover. So because there's a momentum going in the direction of culture change and reconstitution, I think it's possible to implement these recommendations in a way that will have a lasting impact on the organization. I hope so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if the manpower
0: shortage wasn't enough of a challenge, the forces are also facing an equipment shortage.
1: I have grave concerns, not only about the capabilities we have, but the ability to sustain them in terms of ammunition, in terms of spare parts, and in terms of people. The chief of defense staff confessed. We need to be concerned because our national prosperity is based on the stability in the existing order. And if we can't defer or deter and defend that, or if we can't work with our friends, partners, and allies to create stability in that order, we're going to suffer.
0: The department has four urgent procurements underway to fill gaps in air defense, anti tank weapons, counter drone technology, and electronic warfare equipment. In addition, we have to figure out how to replace our modern howitzers after having donated some to Ukraine. The M777? M4- yes. The M777 howitzer is no longer manufactured. British defense contractor BAE Systems said it's considering whether to restart the
1: production line. Today, we turn another page and begin NORAD's next chapter.
0: Stated Defense Minister Anita Anand in June of this year as she announced Canada's NORAD modernization plan. The Liberals committed to a $4.9 billion over six-year modernization of North American air defense. The goal of the modernization program is to create a layered defense over the far north that will guard against strategic bombers, the kind NORAD was created to counter more than seven decades ago but also ballistic cruise and hypersonic missiles the kind of weapons we've seen pummeling Ukraine undersea sensors modern over the horizon radar to spot cruise missiles and improved satellite coverage are on the must have list it also seeks to improve arctic surveillance especially at the so-called choke points the ocean entrances to the archipelago canada claims as its sovereign territory vice admiral Bob Octorloni, in charge of Canadian Joint Operations Command, says a host of new technology, such as technology that includes portable sensor arrays, unmanned ships, and unmanned underwater vehicles built to hunt submarines, some of it still under development in conjunction with the U.S. Navy 5th Fleet, is expected to join NORAD's underwater network soon. With regard to Arctic surveillance, the war in Ukraine has shown that the Russian Air Force can attack another country without leaving its own airspace. That, in conjunction with Russia's moves in the North, has caused alarm and is driving an undeniable sense of urgency in the West over the need to develop new surveillance technology.
1: Russia is rebuilding its Arctic military infrastructure to Soviet-era capability,
0: Jody Thomas, the Prime Minister's national security and intelligence advisor, recently told the House of Commons Defense Committee.
1: They had stopped, and they're returning. I think that's interesting. They're continuing their construction in the Arctic despite the economic woes they're experiencing because of their illegal and barbaric invasion of Ukraine.
0: Indeed. Right? They're keeping their priorities at keeping the capacity to attack through the north.
1: While their people are beginning to starve, right? Right. Priorities. Mm. Woody's
0: got his priorities. Over-the-horizon radar systems can locate targets beyond the range of conventional radar. However, a Defence Research and Development Canada technical memo on the feasibility of such systems written in 2006 says, Due to their extreme
1: size, most over-the-horizon radar systems are located in remote areas where access to large amounts of power from the electrical grid is inadequate. Therefore, diesel generators are routinely used. To prevent shutdowns, a
0: 2 megawatt generator burning 15,000 liters of diesel fuel per day would be required to power an over-the-horizon array. Defense scientists are trying to figure out how to power the stations in remote northern locations in an environmentally responsible way.
1: That's like more than Bitcoin mining rigs, man. That's, that's a crazy amount of power. Indeed. Holy crap.
0: Yeah, yeah. Satellites are also an issue. The ones we use are old. There's no plan to replace them until 2035, and the ones we have are overworked.
1: There are multiple departments seeking information from these satellites, and their needs are currently not being met. Stated Nicholas Swale, a senior official in the office of the Auditor
0: General, in his testimony to the House of Commons Defence Committee in early December. According to Canada's Auditor General, Karen Hogan,
1: What will happen should these satellites reach the end of their useful lives and... Right now the government either buys information commercially or turns to its allies.
0: General Wayne Eyre, the chief of the defense staff was asked whether the department of national defense will speed up a program to launch dedicated satellites before 2035.
1: His response at this point, I don't know, but we're certainly going to try.
0: Though he seemingly seemed resigned to just how unlikely that would be in late December the Department of National Defense received quiet approval to spend $7 billion on an initial set of 16 F-35s manufactured by Lockheed Martin, as well as spare parts, weapons, and various startup costs associated with obtaining new jets, such as building new facilities. The funding approval for the Future Fighter Capability Project was formally announced on Monday, January 8, 2023, after months of negotiations with the U.S. government and Lockheed Martin after the F-35 beat out Sweden's Saab Gripen in a competition earlier this year.
1: The F-35 is a modern, reliable, and agile fighter aircraft, and it is the right aircraft for our country,
0: said Minister Anand at the announcement. The government plans to buy 88 new fighter jets to replace its aging CF-18s between 2026 and 2032. The government had originally estimated the project would cost between $15 billion and $19 billion, but critics of the deal say the price tag will go even higher, and that the full life cycle cost to buy, maintain, periodically update and fly the planes is estimated at $77 billion. Canada is a partner in the F-35 program and has contributed more than $600 million U.S. in funding for the aircraft's development over the years. Under the F-35 agreement, Partner nations such as Canada are prohibited from imposing requirements for industrial benefits as the work on the fighter jets is determined on the best-value basis. Canadian firms compete, and if they are good enough, they receive contracts. Canadian firms have earned more than $2 billion in contracts to build F-35 parts, according to Lockheed Martin. The F-35 will be purchased in blocks over the next few years. Canada needed to make an initial order of nine fighters by the end of the calendar year to ensure its planned delivery schedule remains on track. The mandatory delivery criteria Lockheed Martin agreed to as part of its winning bid stipulates,
1: The ninth fully mission-capable future fighter platform will be delivered no earlier than the 1st of December 2025 and no later than the 1st of December 2027.
0: With the 88th fully operational aircraft having to be delivered to Canada, no later than December 31st, 2031. The purchase of F-35s in tranches is not unique, says US-based analyst Richard Abulafia, one of the world's leading F-35 experts. For example, while Britain previously committed to buying a total of 138 F-35s, its initial order was for only 48. Australia has taken a similar approach by initially ordering only 14 of the stealth fighters before later confirming another 58. Now, the F-35 saga is a long one. According to Global News and the Ottawa Citizen, Stephen Harper's Conservative government first committed to buying 65 F-35s without a competition in 2010 before concerns about the stealth fighter's cost and capabilities forced it back to the drawing board. At the time, in 2010... Its planned system of sensors and electronics to provide a 360-degree view of the area it is surveilling and its abilities to connect to various platforms made it one of the most advanced aircraft in the world. However, it required 26 million lines of software code to operate it. In the 2010-2012 timeframe, only 6 million lines of code had yet been written. It is now on the fourth block of software to operate the aircraft.
1: That's a staggering amount of coding.
0: Yes, but also while they were telling us that yeah, this plane will do all of that, given that the code wasn't written, there was no way to know that the plane would actually do all of
1: that. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. it's going to do this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we call that vaporware in my line of work because if there's no code written, it doesn't exist, it can't do it. Hey, look, I can tell you I can go to the moon in my car, but we all know... <laughs> It's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> in addition, in addition, leave I was that. I mixing in. up auditor general. In addition, <laughs>
1: leave that in. That's funny.
0: Yes, that's <laughs> funny. I'm going to leave that one in. In addition, the auditor general had issues with the contract being sole sourced to Lockheed Martin, and the parliamentary budget officer had highlighted lack of government transparency on the full life cycle costs. In March of 2011, as you mentioned in uh, one of the uh, morning shows, Mr. Grizzly, the Harper government's refusal to not only disclose enough information about the cost of several big-ticket items, such as its law and order agenda, corporate tax cuts, and yes, its plan to buy stealth combat jets, but also to not even give a reason for the secrecy, led to the Commons Procedure and House Affairs Committee tabling a majority report concluding the government was in contempt. Leading to a motion of no confidence that made his government fall. Unfortunately, only to return with a majority, but it still fell.
1: Not too bad of a memory on this old guy who's had multiple concussions, yeah. eh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Every right now and
1: yeah. then I I hit one out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about the price tag at all. I mean, this is about the government. Back in 2010, declaring that they were going to sole source this. First of all, there was no legal justification to do that. And at the time, we didn't know its cost, and we didn't know what it's going to be capable of doing. So to make that announcement, it was just ludicrous and insulting. And, of course, the government at the time tried to justify it by making all these misleading arguments.
0: Says Allian Willems.
1: Allian. Allian. (laughs) I don't think he would like being called that. Nope. Just keep rolling.
0: <laughs> Says Alan Williams, former assistant deputy minister of the Department of National Defense and author of the book Canada, Democracy, and the F 35. Today, eight nations, including Norway, the Netherlands, and the UK, fly the F 35, so it is somewhat more proven than it was back then. The Liberals promised in 2015 not to buy the F 35, but to instead launch an open competition to replace the CF 18. They later planned to buy 18 Super Hornets without a competition as an interim measure until a full competition could be launched. In June of 2016, the Prime Minister stated,
1: Canadians know full well that for 10 years the Conservatives completely missed the boat when it came to delivering to Canadians and their armed forces the equipment they needed. They clung to an aircraft that does not work and is far from working. A Liberal government will also do what the Harper Conservatives ought to have said years ago. We will not buy the F-35 fighter jet.
0: And that quote is coming back to bite him.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. conservatives
0: are making hay. However, quickly after winning the elections, the liberals faced the reality that there was no way to hold a legal open competition process that would exclude the F-35. And that was the first step in the direction that would lead to this decision. James Bazan, conservative defense critic, could only muster a...
1: Here we are today where Justin Trudeau has to eat crow and do what's right for Canada, do what's right for the Royal Canadian Air Force, and do what's right for our NORAD and NATO allies.
0: I see your point, Mr. Bazan, but if you, when you were in government and your party did what was right for the Royal Canadian Air Force, what was right for NORAD and NATO allies, and what was right for Canada, you would not have sole-sourced that and tried to pass one over the Parliamentary Budget officer and Auditor General in the process.
1: Yeah, you, you, you were held in contempt of Parliament. <laughs> the only wow. government in Canadian history.
0: In the Commonwealth's history. Oh,
1: in the Commonwealth? Oh, shit, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's even bigger then.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, again, you have precisely one leg to stand on and you're using it to kick.
1: I swear, as the old Dolly Parton Parton idiom, I swear I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. (laughs) I love that line.
0: Uh, To date, more than 780 F-35s have already been delivered to the U.S. military and allies, but the stealth fighter is still plagued with technical problems, hence my saying somewhat proven earlier Mm -hmm. on. Mm In April 2022, the U.S. government watchdog, The Government Accountability Office reported more delays in operational testing that is needed to be completed so full rate production of the F-35 can begin. There are still hundreds of problems left to solve on the aircraft, and companies are redesigning and replacing equipment on the planes that have already been delivered.
1: The more aircraft produced and delivered prior to resolving deficiencies, the greater the likelihood that the program will have to retrofit aircraft at the expense of the government
0: the Government Accountability Office report stated. Some at the time questioned that plan, suggesting the Liberals were trying to find a way to lock Canada into the Super Hornet without opening itself up to a legal challenge from Lockheed Martin or any other jet makers. Ottawa initiated the current printing process in July 2019, at which point the Super Hornet and F-35 were allowed to compete. In the meantime, the government had been forced to invest hundreds of millions of additional dollars into the CF-18 fleet to keep it flying until a replacement can be delivered. By 2032, the CF-18s will have been around for 50 years. In anticipation of the formal announcement, social justice and peace groups have argued against spending billions on the jets. A series of protests were launched across the country this past weekend to denounce the F-35 deal. Activist Tamara Lorenz has argued the money could be better spent elsewhere to help Canadians. For instance, she has noted that the $19 billion could finance 15 state-of-the-art healthcare complexes, or 760 Indigenous wellness centers, or 240 new high schools, or 130 kilometers of light rail transit, or 87,842 green affordable housing units. But Stephen Sandeman, Patterson Chair in the International Affairs Department at Carlton University's Norman Patterson School of International Affairs and Director of the Canadian Defense and Security Network, argues the planes are needed.
1: In the future, we might be flying against the Russians. We might be flying against the Chinese. At least we have to have that capability because the Russians penetrate our airspace a few times a year. And in order to thwart those planes, if they had hostile intent, and the Russians have shown plenty of hostile intent elsewhere, we want to be able to have planes that can be able to operate competitively against those other planes.
0: As for Williams, the former assistant deputy minister of the Department of National
1: Defense, he says he is pleased with the purchase. The program's costs are better known. What it can do is better known. And instead of sole sourcing it, we ran a competition, and the F-35 emerged the winner. So I th- think that was the right way of going about to buy a jet airplane. But he has a major concern. The big question for me is the costing question. You talk about nineteen billion, but of course the total cost is seventy billion. But even twenty billion to buy these things, and you could couple that with the eighty five billion to buy our surface combatant ships. Those two programs alone, just to buy them and not to maintain and operate them, is over a hundred billion dollars. Now, we only have about five billion a year to spend, so these two programs alone exceed the available budget. Period. And we're not talking about the thirty some billion dollars for NORAD modernization, or to replace our patrol aircraft, or to buy the Arctic patrol ships or the joint support ship. And all the army needs you know we're talking about giving a lot of equipment to ukraine well we too need vehicles and howitzers and guns and air defense systems so none of those things are even factored in and those two programs alone exceed the available capital budget
0: hmm i did not know that before doing the research on this i had no idea that I, I would have assumed that if we were ordering them that the capital budget on an annual basis would be there for it. But if all we have is $5 billion to spend and that's already taken out on those two things, I don't know. I mean.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I, you know. Well, this is the thing. I haven't heard
0: anything about adjusting anything in the budget yet.
1: This is why we have to do another show with Hugh because he he texted me earlier and said he, he's done some serious research into this. So it's like, oh, We'll do a show with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a military guy, right? And he's right. His, t- his history teacher and I, I want his input, you know? And I said, dude, I really, I really relish your input. And he was like, and he chuckled and I go, no, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm serious. Like you have knowledge of this that I don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But it just seems odd to me that you would be planning that way because then eventually you're going to have to make that announcement where you're throwing a lot of additional money into the military, which then you have all the PR fallout from that because there's always a dedicated group that's against any spending whatsoever. Oh, yeah.
1: And I don't know.
0: It just seems like a little bit of a backward way to be doing that. It seems to me that you would want to have the funds committed for that type of thing.
1: I concur.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll be back after this kit, so please stay with us.
1: In the news.
0: During our January 9th morning show, we briefly touched on Newfoundland and Labrador Justin... Justin.
1: (laughs) Justin Bieber? Justin Trudeau? One of the Justins.
0: (laughs) Newfoundland Justin. You know Justin. You know
1: Justin. From Newfoundland. (laughs) Newfoundland Justin. He works in an office. Oh, yes, office, Justin. (laughs) Should we just keep that? Just keep that. It's fun. All right. During our January 9th morning show, we briefly touched
0: on Newfoundland and Labrador Justice Minister John Hogan announcing provincial court judges will receive mandatory training on how to avoid stereotypes when evaluating evidence in sexual assault cases. At the time, the minister said,
1: People are more aware of issues around sexual assault, things like consent, issues around trauma, issues around power dynamics and sexual assault situations. And as we talk about it in society and learn more and grow with these conversations, it is important that judges, when they interpret the law and apply facts, need to be up to date as well.
0: Now, initially, Kits, I had assumed that this initiative flowed from former interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, Ronna Ambrose's three attempts over four years to get a bill passed that would require new federally appointed judges to agree to take training, including learning about rape myths and stereotypes, and how to make sure biases about race, gender, and other social factors do not influence their decisions and further require judges to put their reasons on the record when ruling on sexual assault cases. The original legislation, presented in 2017, while Ambrose was the interim party leader, was a very rare private member's bill to successfully gain cross-partisan support in the House of Commons to become law. However, it got stalled in the Senate where certain senators purposely tried to hold up the bill with the intent of quashing it. In a 2021 interview, Ambrose stated,
1: There were senators who knew that they could hold it up. They said things like, this will sway the legal system in favor of victims. Which was the most bizarre thing I've ever heard because it was just about education and things like, this is just another part of the Me Too movement. It was misogyny without a doubt. Sexism and misogyny and from corners I didn't expect.
0: Mm -hmm. We reported that on the show as well. The current liberal government supported her original bill, but because of the stalling tactics employed in the Senate, it died when parliament was dissolved for the 2019 election. However. The liberals revived it in 2020, making it a government bill that could not be killed in the Red Chamber, and it received royal assent in May of 2021, after Ambrose had left politics.
1: Now, At let's, the time, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. I just want to interrupt you for a second, because Rona's a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rona's also a progressive. Yes. Which means she would not have a home in that party today. Right. You know, she was the interim leader, which means she could never become the leader because of the way it works. Which right. um, is a shame to us, but she was kind of done with politics at that point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And everybody's like, "Well, she just..." And I, no, no, she's done. She's she's that's in her rearview mirror. She's finished with this. She yep. wants to live as a private citizen. They're like, "Well, why does she go on TV?" I go, "Well, because she's a." Per- she was a politician. She knows the system inside out and backwards, how it works, and they want her input. And if she has the time and her schedule, she'll provide that time to, you know, generously donate her time to have that discussion. And I'm like, well, it's no different than if you and I get called onto a panel anywhere and, and neither one of us are politicians, but, right. you know, somebody calls up, Hey, you got some time to, of course. Yeah, I can help out because, you know, my area of expertise, which is, not what we talk about, but you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like her area it's, of, ex- right. Her area of ex- expertise is politics and, 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 and policy. And, you know, just because she goes back in every now and then, it's not because she wants to go back to it. She doesn't. She mm. is done with this. And I told my buddies, they're like, she would have made a great leader. I'm like, yeah, she would have, but she was finished. She's like, no, I, I she saw, I think the writing was she on the wall. Coming. She yeah. saw it and said, no, I'm out.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. At the time, Justice Minister David Lametti said the new law will help ensure survivors of sexual assault are treated with respect and dignity in their interactions with the criminal justice system.
1: We expect that these changes will have a broad and positive impact that reach beyond sexual assault matters. Judges will benefit from new tools and perspectives that they can apply in all of their work. Rona's ongoing support and collaboration were important to getting this bill through the parliamentary process, and I wanted to thank her personally for her commitment to this issue and to this legislation. Mm, we need more of that type of energy in our politicians. Thank you Yes, very much. we do. Yes. yes, we do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about collaboration. Right. Why are we putting up walls and wedge issues when, oh, right, that's because the party that's not in power will gain power any way they can and they will lie, cheat, and sell off our public health care and public social safety nets to private industry that will, you know, anyway, okay. I don't, I'll get up. You my give soapbox. A little,
0: I give a little, eventually we get to someplace nice. Yeah. Or we can have nice things. It's generally how it works. Uh, but however, with deeper research, I learned that my assumption that this law in Newfoundland and Labrador flowed naturally from the federal law was incorrect. The provincial law has an original story all its own on the rock. Demand for this type of mandatory training stems from high-profile cases, two in particular, namely the 2017 initial acquittal of Royal Newfoundland Constabulary Constable Carl Douglas Snellgrove, as well as the acquittal of a teenage boy alleged to have sexually assaulted a younger girl. In the former case, Snellgrove, an on-duty police officer in full uniform, drove a young female alleged to be inebriated at the time, to her apartment in a marked police car, helped her gain entrance to her apartment, then went in and engaged in sexual activity with her. He claims it was consensual and initiated by her. She claims she was too drunk to provide consent or even remember much of the incident. The presiding judge had instructed the jury that mere drunkenness did not mean a person cannot consent
1: to having sex. Uh, Okay, I got to yeah it does fucking major problem with this I'm I remember when this took place and I'm like that fucking asshole mm-hmm you know I don't like to swear on this particular one I will honor yep. you but come on man you were a police officer in uniform in a position of authority and trust you do not violate that code I don't care how hard she hit on you nope I'm working. Nope. You you get her in her apartment, make sure she's safe and sound, and get the hell out of there. And if you have to go rub one off later, no, you don't do that, ever. And anybody who does, fuck you, fuck you. That is just so wrong on so many levels. It violates every aspect, a code of conduct and trust. It, it, it sullies the uniform. It... it can you tell i'm a little upset i can tell i can tell seriously fuck that guy
0: yep Snellgrove's acquittal was successfully appealed the local appellate court and later the supreme court of canada ruled the trial judge had erred in instructing the jury a new trial took place in 2020 but ended in a mistrial due to an error by the presiding judge a third trial resulted in conviction and Snellgrove was sentenced to four years in prison and ordered to be named to the Federal Sex Offender Registry for 20 years. He was serving his sentence at a correctional facility in Bishop's Falls. Snellgrove is appealing his conviction on the basis that
1: Justice Vikas Kaladker violated Snellgrove's right to be present at his own trial during discussions with counsel while crafting his final instructions to the jury, and when meeting with counsel in his chambers, to discuss the jury's questions before providing an answer in the courtroom.
0: Now, although Snellgrove had been represented by his lawyers in the discussions,
1: trial counsel being there and passing information on
0: doesn't satisfy a legal requirement for an accused to be present for the conversations. Argued the motion to appeal.
1: While an accused has the right to be present for such discussions, there is no requirement under the criminal code for them to be there when they are represented by counsel.
0: Argued opposing counsel. In late December, a Newfoundland and Labrador court of appeal judged Snellgrove bail pending the outcome of his appeal. According to CBC... Justice Gail Welsh permitted Snellgrove his freedom on a number of conditions, including that he remain at his home in St. John's unless required to attend elsewhere in the province for the purpose of employment. He cannot leave Newfoundland and Labrador and was ordered to surrender his passport. In the latter case, the Newfoundland and Labrador Court of Appeal ordered a new trial for a teenage boy accused of sexually assaulting a 15-year-old girl, concluding that the trial provincial court judge made errors in law when she relied on three sexual assault myths to find the boy not guilty.
1: Those myths, that silence is consent, that a woman can prevent a rape if she really wants to, and that a woman may seek revenge on past lovers by falsely accusing them, aren't permissible when reaching a decision.
0: The appeal court wrote. And in this case, I'd like to point out that the judge who made those errors was female.
1: Wow. Wow. Can you say the uh, influence of the patriarchy is strong? Hmm. Hmm. So it's <laughs> crazy. Eh? It's it's wild. It's wild. But it's, it, it's pretty wild. It, it's pretty wild. It, it does happen though, because if you've got somebody who has been uh, influenced societally speaking for you know a few decades, because you don't become a judge at twenty five, right? Hmm. So. The ideology, or the idea, or the or, or the uh, mere thought pro- thought process that would make one well, maybe that judge is just not woke enough or too woke. Up. No, you don't become a judge until you're like what my age. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think a young judge would be like forty, right? Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Probably, I would say yeah. I,
1: and please, that would be good l- age listeners. Send us an email. Let me know. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I just, I'm just—I'm not going to look it up right now because you know, even though I can look it up right now, I'm not going to because we like to be corrected from time to time by people who have uh, more knowledge than we do. Mm-hmm. We're not the authority on everything; we don't pretend to be. But I still think that you know, it's—it's it's somebody who has lived a few years in the system that we currently reside in, mm-hmm. and as a result, is probably <laughs> largely influenced by you know past societal norms which mm-hmm. are completely abnormal when you think about it but it, it would probably form their sort of uh opinion or 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 I don't know mentality or thought process uh, thereof mm-hmm. that that would cause them to do what that person did yeah that what I that guess. judge did you know I mean yeah. it's it's not surprising me you know it's old habits die hard and when you've only lived within a system of old habits it's hard to acknowledge that you know things aren't like that anymore sometimes
0: yeah the sandbox is different
1: yeah and, and I'm not I'm not dumping on the judge no no I'm not it, it's like it's simple enough if you if you continue to go down a certain pathway and you make mistakes along the way but nobody points out to you that you're making the mistake you yep. can't course correct
0: and you'll just make them with more conviction
1: yeah and as time goes on it becomes part of the way you do things until somebody mm-hmm. says, Oh, that's not, you shouldn't be doing it that way. And here's why, because that's really a detriment. Oh my God, I had no idea. And, mm-hmm. and somebody goes, how could you have no idea? Well, because I always did it that way. Right. And nobody told me I was doing it wrong. Right. So it, it's really is a societal adjustment where people start to real and, and I will, you know, cut slack to folks who go, well, I've always done it that way. I thought that was the right way to do it. And I go, you know what? I can't fault you for that because I'm guilty of that in many things of my life too. And as you always say and I always agree with you when you when you know better you do better. So when you learn you improve upon who you are and you become a better person. One hopes anyway, but it, it, you know. Yes. It, that- it's it, what we should aspire to do. Well, that's what we should aspire to do. But it's easy <laughs> to make the same old mistakes time and time again if nobody tells you that you're making a mistake. Especially if it worked out for you. Well, the, right. If if everything worked out and you know you got up and went, you went home and you went on with your life and nothing ever changed in a negative aspect. Why why would you? Right. Right. You know.
0: So, uh, to finish off that element, uh, the chief judge of the provincial court is developing the training program and it should be ready for the fall session. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, we're going to take a little break and we'll come back after this kids stay with us.
1: This is Charles Adler. After a few years of working on radio and television, the Charles Adler show has evolved to a natural place in 2023. YouTube, podcast, and open RSS. You'll hear the show as it always has been delivered, concise, with context, clarity, and empathy. And as a bonus, the guests will be natural-born storytellers who won't fear telling stories that are personal and emotional. They won't fear uncomfortable questions. Most important, they won't fear me. Follow me on Twitter at Charles Adler and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're still here, kids, and you are too, so thank you so much. At this point in the show, Mr. Grizzly and I would like to offer our gratitude to the Kits out there who have liked what we do and have kindly tipped us or have sent us comments so that we may keep going. Kit Aina and Kit Linda M., our favorite Kit, left us some very generous end-of-year tips on our coffee page. Kit
1: Aina said, Happy New Year to you both. And Kit Linda M. stated, Douglas and Paul... I hope you have a wonderful holiday and your success continues to grow in the new year. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Yay.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Kit Baum on Twitter sent us a. Love it. Kit Wade and Lazy Sundays with Wade and Doe. Well, sorry, let me take that. Kit Wade of Lazy Sundays with Wade and Doe sent us a. Keep up the great entertainment.
1: And Kit Emil sent us a. Best duo on the network. Just kidding. Love you both and love the show. Takmin <laughs> van
0: And Kit Jen sent us three hearts. I love her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> and then there's all the love on the chats and when we show up on other shows. So uh, thank you all for your feedback and comments, Kits. We truly do appreciate them, and they all contribute to help make our show better. Indeed, it does. Mm-hmm. And now, before we go, we have just a little bit of cool news for you. The Women's World Junior Under-18 Hockey Championships are taking place in Österund, Sweden, and Team Canada went undefeated in pool play, qualifying directly for the semifinal, where it will meet Sweden. Hello, Emil. (laughs) Hey, brother. (laughs) And Catherine Sibov, ranked 190th in the world. Qualified for her first ever Grand Slam. Uh, she played her last three at the Australian Open last night against the number 20th seed in the qualification tournament, a lady from Switzerland, and was completely undeniable. She went up 4 0 early in the first set to close it off, and eventually, and then in the second set as well. Um, when it came time to close, she did not falter at all, served. Perfectly. It was a joy to watch. And uh, ironically, in the first round of qualification, she was actually playing the person who was number 56 in the world. But I guess she wasn't that high at the time because they're seated about two weeks before. And she had just made a final, I think, the week before, so she was a little tired. <laughs> mm. So she was able to uh, get that, but uh, that win against her, which was really impressive. But she, yeah, she just won three matches in a row, and uh, she's in her first uh, Grand Slam main draw. We had five Canadians in the qualification draw. I forgot to mention Carol Zhao. Uh, when we talked about it last time, as being the fifth, she had won her first round. Eugenie Bouchard lost her first round match. And for the men, Gabriel Diallo lost her his first round match, and Alexis Garneau did win his first. So, you know, a good mix of results. Mm-hmm. But uh, Catherine Sabav, uh yep, she qualifies, and she will be the fourth woman Canadian woman in the main draw, joining Bianca Andrescu, Leila Annie Fernandez, and uh, Rebecca Marino. Uh, now the main draws uh, came out uh, at the time. Last time I looked, the qualifiers that hadn't been inserted in, um, but unfortunately, in the first round, Felix Oji Aliasim is playing Vashik Pospisil. Okay, so that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the possibility okay. for the Canadian men to go three to three out of three. Yeah, and this yeah. is the third time in his career that he I think he's faced a Canadian like in the first round. I think twice, like two out of three years, he was. They got Dennis Shapovalov at the U.S. Open, mm. and now he's getting massive pasta. It, at the it makes you. Open.
1: It makes you wonder. It's like, well, how do these guys are like? oh, I got to play my buddy, my brother, my countryman. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure they'll they'll be competitive, right? Right. But it, and I think there's a you know if they're playing against each other in a friendly tournament in Canada, it'd be like, all right, let's have a good time. But a tournament like this, which is one of the Grand Slams, right? The AO, and I'm sure there's a part of them going like. Oh man, I don't want to have to do this, right? Like I love playing against you, but I and I think it was similar to like if you watched Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, Mm -hmm. like they love to play one another, but it nobody wanted to beat the other guy, right? Right. I mean, I want to win, but I don't want to beat you. I want to win, but I don't want to beat you. Yeah. Because Serena and Venus was like that too. Yeah, it's like I want to win, I want to be victorious, but I don't want I don't want to have to do it by beating you, right? So. Right. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that's, that, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty much convinced that's kind of the same thing because these guys are pretty tight.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, they all just, they all just won the Davis Cup together, like just
1: yeah, a, no kidding. About like, a
0: month and a half ago.
1: Yeah, Canada, <laughs> the first time ever, you know, the absolute right. history.
0: Yeah. Um, so with the win out of qualifications, she'll rise to about 174th in the world. She also earned $71,367 for making it to the main draw of the Australian Open. Now, to put that in perspective, her year-to-date prize money, now, the year just started, <laughs> but her year-to-date prize money is $1,270. Her career-to-date prize money is 191236 over 337 matches. For an average of about five hundred and sixty-seven dollars and forty-seven cents per match.
1: Ouch! That's in like yee, ooh, that's a yeah. that's that's a tough sport to work in, then, man. And that
0: gets you to one hundred ninetieth in the world. Wow! You're making a lot of money.
1: So Travel, you're in the top two hundred, and and you're 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 not you're in the hole.
0: Yeah. In her last three matches, she's earned twenty three thousand seven hundred eighty nine seven dollars per match.
1: I'd say that's a that's a turnaround. That's a turnaround. That's a very <laughs> big deal. <laughs> that's going to help
0: her a lot. Uh, so uh, congratulations, Catherine. Uh, way to go. Well way to done. Go. Way to represent. And that's the cool news. Well, kids, that's the end of this episode of the Eager Beaver Flagship Podcast. We hope you love listening to us because we love making this for you. And because democracy is something you do, please donate to your local food bank.
1: Food banks are a failure of society. Yes, they are, but people need. But you. donate, but please donate, please donate, and
0: uh, please try to bring things if you can, uh, like peanut butter and uh, cooking oils and some things that uh, you know people don't usually think of, sugar, um, coffee, Kraft dinner. Sorry, it's it's appreciated. It is appreciated, yeah. uh, even or even sometimes even household items. Like you'd be surprised, like. Uh, feminine hygiene products and uh, oh yeah
1: and, yeah that stuff is not cheap it, That you know what diapers some of those things I think should be covered by the state but that's just me
0: mm, I agree if you really like, like, like this podcast
1: <laughs> insulin <laughs> You can find us on Google,
0: Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, basically everywhere you find your wide array of podcasts featuring a beaver and a grizzly bear. And please tell your friends. Of course, retweets, shares, gentle corrections, constructive criticisms, compliments, requests, and positive reviews are always welcome. And of course, our flagships uh, at the moment are still only available in audio format. So uh, make sure that uh, you really do tell your friends about it so that uh, you can download them. And uh, also, if you want to help us out, if you listen to us on YouTube and have the time to uh, download our episodes anyway, using Apple specifically, um, that helps us with the charts. You don't necessarily have to listen to us a second time. If you do, we won't be upset by that, but it helps us. So if you can, we would appreciate that very much.
1: And, and let's uh, not forget the little, little link I sent you the other day about our ranking in Canada in the top 50 political okay.
0: accounts. Yes, yes, yes. The good news that we had?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: Okay. That. Okay. Yeah. I, we can do that. We can do that. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a humble brag. Have, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do have some good news. Uh, The other day, uh, Mr. Grizzly sent me something. Apparently, there is this uh, place called feedspot.com who apparently have a group of people who listen to various podcasts and evaluate them and uh, they look at, you know, viewership and other things, but also the quality of the podcast and how fresh it is and, you know, I guess how much content you put out, and they like la- they created a list of the fifty best Canadian political podcasts, and um, well, we're on it. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I was totally shocked. I didn't know we would rate that much yet.
1: Well, I was doing some work on, on, on our YouTube page and we have a, we have a, a Gmail address, right? And, and right. so every now and then I get an email from Gmail saying you should go in and, and double check and make sure everything's good on the, on the Google search for your page. So I, okay. So I click it in and boom. And I'm like, I, there's all these things I've never heard of before that we're on. Okay. Uh, there's all these other podcast, um services that i've never heard of that we're, we're on and they talk about us and i'm like okay cool and i'm like what's this one top 50 podcasts political podcasts in canada oh let's click on this and holy shit there we are yep, i am astonished 27. so 27 i had to send that to you because i'm like dude i didn't i i didn't think we'd be top 50 and like number 27 was a, a shock to me yeah it, i me was too. like I, I was like what you mean
0: and we're we're ahead of the two. Poli- we are ahead of primetime politics with Peter Van Dusen and CPAC today in politics.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like come on! I'm a working class stiff in downtown Ottawa. How the fuck did that happen?
0: Wow! So that was a wonderful, wonderful, pleasant surprise. Yes. Uh, I yeah, I was bouncing off the walls.
1: Well, I, You know, <laughs> neither one of us are ones to toot our own horn. Uh, um, you know, I have to do it in the workplace and I've talked about that because if you don't, nobody will notice it. You'll never get a raise. Nobody will appreciate you. So it's, it's difficult for me to, uh, a accept getting praise and then B, I have to turn around and tell my bosses look at, look at what, you know, look at what my, uh, my coworkers say about me so that, you know, I've, I've learned to come to terms with that. But when I saw that, I was kind of like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? Really, people yeah. people like us, like people dig us. People think we're actually good at this. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, and then we had listen notes, uh, and
0: they said that we were among the top pe- top ten percent of most popular shows out of three million podcasts globally ranked by listen
1: score. Now, in in the political realm, of course. Yes. Yeah, I was again shocked out of my mind. I'm like, what? How? What? <laughs> I I know, I know. Come on. I didn't even know these things existed, but
0: there you go. But there we are.
1: Yeah. So, and and here's what here's why. Every single person who listens to this show, who right. watches us on YouTube, right. who compliments, chats, promotes, asks us, you know, that gets people to to they share and ask people to like and subscribe. All of that makes this difference for us. Yep. It. Mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing that anybody would be paying attention to me at all, let alone the fact that we're actually ranking something. Like, what? Really?
0: Yeah, yeah. And over like the last 43 days or so, our uh, subscriptions to our Twitter feed have are up almost 16%. Yeah, that's a big number. That's a big number. And people are still smashing the button on our YouTube channel. Every a so few days, we get a few thank more. You to
1: each and every single one of you, from the bottom of my heart, it it just it's it's. A lot of people would say I'm humbled. No, no, I'm honored. I'm honored. Yes. yes to be humbled means to be humbled means you failed miserably. <laughs> That's what being humbled. <laughs> so when you see this person on the award show, they just had the Golden Globes the other night, they get up and say, "I'm I'm humbled by this award. No, 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 no. You're honored. The people who didn't win, they're humbled. That's the difference in language. I'm a little pedantic in case you didn't know.
0: <laughs> uh, so of course, your retweets, your shares, your gentle corrections, your constructive criticism, your compliments, requests, positive reviews are always 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 welcome. And you can send them to us at our Facebook blog page, our Twitter feed, True Eager, and our email address, True North Eager beaver at gmail.com. If you love us so much and you don't want to miss an episode, hey, we're in for the long haul baby. hell yeah, if you are too, we'll make a commitment so please subscribe via our pod page site podpage.com slash true north eager beaver with a hyphen between all of those words and you will never miss an episode as we'll deliver our podcast right to you the second it is ready and if you really really love us so much that you just can't stand it and you need to do something about it well we have neither pride nor shame and are more than willing to shake it for tips kitties so please feel fry feel fry feel, feel fry. free to buy a cup of coffee for Mr. Grizzly here or a mug of chocolate for me, and to find your way to our tip jar, go to our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, all in one word, lowercase letters, just like Kitsanina and Linda M. did. From the Beaver Lodge. The, oh, and yes, and we have merch.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to say, don't forget the t-shirts, bro.
0: Yes, yes, we have merch, which I haven't. Since we last did a flagship, we did not have merch. So I yeah, actually did not have the, the site list there. But if you go to the DeanBlendellNetwork.com and click on shop, you'll find us. We have under t-shirts you. Yes, under podcasts. We have uh, six designs from sizes small to 3XL, something literally for everybody. And uh, wearing one of our t-shirts automatically increases your ability to maintain your New Year's resolutions by 19.2%.
1: See, I didn't know that. Yeah. The lab that. results just came in last week. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. Well, I, that makes sense because it is the 12th of uh, January that we're recording this. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, it, it, we will be um, uh, producing uh, toques, ball caps, Ooh. And, and coffee mugs in the near future. Ooh, yay. Yeah. So, uh, if you call it a beanie, you don't get to buy one. It's a fucking toque. This is Canada. <laughs> a beanie is similar to a yarmulke, right? That's yes. a beanie. Stop calling a tuke a beanie. It's not the same damn thing. I'm Canadian. We're all Canadian. Well, I shouldn't say we're all Canadian, but many of the listeners are, and yes. we're of a certain generation, and I do take it personally. Oh, by the way, it's a hockey sweater, not a jersey. We all saw the uh, Rock Carriere uh, National Film Board cartoon. Yes. yes. It was on the $5 bill a hockey bunch maker. of years ago. It's the hockey sweater. In hockey, we wear sweaters. In football, basketball, you wear a jersey. But in hockey, it's a sweater.
0: And it is you, a sweater, my friend. And a yes. knitted
1: cap is a toque. Wait, <laughs> I, Wait, look. I do, I do, I do get bent out of shape about that. I know, but the last letter of the alphabet is Z, and it's a toque.
0: It's a toque, definitely. And kids, uh, if you love our monthly pub chats. The podcast will take place on Saturday, January 21st. We usually start about 2 p.m. Eastern, live from the lieutenant's pump. So please join us for that, uh, for some no politics, no politics, just just casual conversation.
1: Casual convo, and we go all over the map. And last time we had two guests, and guess what? Our young lady server, I was talking to her the other day. She goes, I had so much fun. That was so oh, much wonderful. fun. I go, awesome. She goes, oh, so you don't it get it? She says, you don't get it. I told my mom about it. Now she subscribes. I'm like, awesome. Right. Wicked awesome. I'm like, so we're going to be Thank here on the Breyer's 21st. Mom. She's like, "Can I? I'm i like, absolutely, join us. Jo- like, She'll take care of us, serve us drinks and food. And then when she's done her shift, she'll sit in and have a chat with us. Wow, well, that's lovely. Well, we like to have input from the younger generation, right? Right, 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 absolutely. And and, and this is not even a political thing. This is just, let's have a chat. And I like to get the input from the younger generation. Because how are you going to know how young people are thinking and what's on their minds if you don't talk to them and don't engage them? So let's do that. Let's do that. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver and Mr.
0: Grizzly saying until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there. So please be kind to and gentle with yourself. Mr. Grizzly, please, please, please give us some of that deep, deep wisdom.
1: Yeah, I said this the other day and I'm going to say it again right now. Merino Wool is your best friend at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. because the dampness gets right into your bones and merino wool will really help you. And everybody says, well, wool's itchy, not merino. Mm, I'm wearing a Leafa merino wool sweater right now. It is softer than cotton and stretchier than um, lycra. Admittedly, it is not cheap. They don't give it away, but this sweater will outlast me. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Quality doesn't come cheap. We know it's difficult, it, it's expensive to be poor uh, because poor people have to buy cheap stuff that they have to replace every year. So now I'm in a position where I, I, I save some money and when I can, I buy a, a quality wool garment that I know will live longer than i will i'll be able to hand this down to my my nephew here i'm on my deathbed here take it it's yours you'll be able to wear this for 20 years <laughs> so yes merino wool is your friend i know it's expensive but if you can you won't regret the purchase and it will last longer than any of the fleece stuff that we buy that after one wearing when you sweat in it you have to scrub it immediately because it reeks yes. right right wool right. no no it doesn't do that lanolin just reduct no bacteria no smell it, it pulls the sweat off your body keeps you warm if it's wet wool I don't get paid for any of that by the way
0: mm-hmm. and uh, the one exception to your quality doesn't come cheap rule is
1: this shell yeah this you is, is the, you're free. right yeah this is free we give you quality we do give you quality so yeah that's I guess you know <laughs> okay. there is an exception to every rule and this is that we are it
0: <laughs> alright kids Thank you for joining us. Mr. Grizzly, please roll the credits.
1: That's not the credits. This is the credits.
0: The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research story and guest curation and copy written by the Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, Master, The Misfeed Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kids, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. I like how we bookended the show with a little flop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do this all the time. kids, trust us. Yeah, we do. We do. It's nothing new. <laughs> Take care.
0: I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world.